All right, guys, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. If you're someone who is seeking uncommon results, this podcast is for you. Success, happiness, and wisdom. What do these words mean to you? I think we can all agree that we'll probably all have slightly different definitions of each. In these podcasts, I get to dive deeply into conversations with some amazing innovators, influencers, and trendsetters that have had different versions of how they define the terms, yet have come out on the other side with amazing, uncommon results. At some point in their lives, they have decided to unshackle themselves from the norm and go beyond all boundaries. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for the thank you for joining the show. Beyond all boundaries, I'm John Dwyer, and I got a uh, just a, an awesome human on today, Robert Nickel. Robert uh, Robert created a virtual assistant business back in 2013. His business and company name is now uh, Rocket Station. And um, this guy, you know, I, I'm excited to have you on, man, because just what you've created and how you know your business model and the things that you're doing, um, man, this it's it's awesome to have you on. So thanks for taking the time to be on here, and I appreciate you being on. I appreciate it, John. We, you and I have known each other for a while and connected through through groups and, and mutual friends for, for a long time. Uh, love your show. Listen to it and uh, appreciate you having me on. And I wish we were meeting more in person like we used to do at all these live events. But uh, seeing you across Zoom, I guess, is uh, a second best. I'll, I'll take it if, if, if I can't see you in person. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I appreciate you being on, man. It's, it's awesome here. So why don't you talk to our listeners a little bit about, um, Robert, your journey and kind of just like we were talking about right before the show, just kind of how you got into the VA world and just kind of how your company has morphed, because I think it's just, it, it's a fascinating story. And, and just the, the things that you've learned along the way, I think can really add value to a lot of people that are trying to start their own business, who are in business. And always trying to scale and get to that next level, right? I mean, there's just a lot of things that you've done and you just have done a phenomenal job. So, you know, I asked a lot of questions there, right? But if you could bring us back to <laughs> the beginning and kind of how it, how you started the company and kind of what things that you were seeing and just kind of your journey would be awesome. Yeah, I was, I was in real estate originally right out of college. I, I quit my W-2 job pretty quick. Uh, I had this idea and this vision that I was going to be the next Donald Trump and my name be all over real estate buildings all over the United States and just be this real estate mogul and magnet. And that, that was really my original. And I'm kind of joking about the Trump thing, but really single family houses. I wanted to buy uh, real estate for this idea of, of passive income. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad as a kid. And that was really my inspiration for, for jumping into real estate. And that's what I really, really wanted to do was buy enough rental property and have enough real estate that I never have to work again. I mean, if I could just oversimplify it and that, that was it. I just, that ultimate freedom where I could go on vacation. And when I came home, there'd be more money in the bank account than when I left. That was the goal. And, and unfortunately, John, when I jumped into to entrepreneurship and running a business, it's a little more difficult than I, than I had imagined. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I would just come out of the gates and be flying and making tons of money and doing and, and man, it was just a grind. And I, I did okay. I had a pretty solid real estate business at the beginning, but it was all just me. So as hard as I worked, that's how many deals I could do. And the harder I worked, the more deals I did. So it was just yeah. kind of like this relationship with time. If I spent 60, 70, 80 hours a week grinding and doing deals, I did pretty well. If I didn't, I didn't close any deals. I didn't make any money. And honestly, John, I was kind of hit a wall and I, I was ready to go back and get a W-2 job because I thought it'd be a whole lot easier 
than doing what I was doing and grinding every single day the way I was. And it was kind of the opposite of why I set into real estate. I, I realized like, man, this is the opposite of freedom when I was doing my own business at the beginning. And the truth is I went and visited my, my broker and that, cause you know, as in Texas, you, you need your realtor license to really get access to good data. And if you're going to be in real estate at all in the state of Texas, you pretty much have to be licensed as an agent. So I go talk to my broker because John, he had a great life, man. He has a couple kids and a big team. And he wasn't like the guy driving a Ferrari or buying jets and that kind of thing. But man, he had a, a you know, very great life. He, he was caddying for his daughter's golf tournaments at, all the time throughout high school. And he was building stuff in the garage with, with his son because that's what they like to do. And, and he you know, had teams of agents and had all this stuff going on. And I couldn't even work for myself. I couldn't even do it myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I couldn't even figure my own thing out, much less be a good brother and be a good son. And I was missing events and birthdays and dinners. Like I, I was awful. And, and so I went to him because I really respected his life and the things that he had and just trying to kind of figure it out. And I thought, John, he had a big team. I went to his office just north of here and I thought I was walking in expecting there to be 20, 30, 50 people sitting in the office, running around, doing all the things that it takes to run a business. There's nobody in the freaking office, a couple of agents, a couple uh, of his, his listing agents, a couple of his buyer's agents and nobody else. And I was looking around like, what, what am I missing? Like, seriously, like what is going on? What? And I, I learned in that process, he, he was taking his entire business that was done on a phone or computer, which is pretty much everything in real estate. And he was leveraging people overseas, overseas talent wow. to do those jobs. And I had tried hiring friends. I had tried hiring family and that was a disaster. It just didn't work. I, I thought I was just, you know, employees are terrible and I'm just <laughs> terrible managing people and you can't find anybody good. And, you know, that's the way I thought. And that's, that's a, so I was just expecting him to be some kind of genius when it came to management. And it was kind of the opposite. He told me, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a great leader. I'm not a good manager. So I figured out how to make that work. And for me, that resonated because I don't think I'm a good manager in the day to day. I don't think I'm good at managing people which is kind of ironic because I'm now have 800 people on my team. <laughs> yeah, I, but think, I think you came in case stop for a second. because I think that's, that's huge because say again, how many people you have on your team right now? Yeah, we're pushing right at 800. So and, 800. and adding 40, about 40 team members a month. So we're growing pretty quickly. Um, but it's not because of my management skills at all. I learned this huge, huge lesson working with, with my broker in that, he started with the end in mind. And I know it sounds really simple, but he had such strict systems and processes and everything was documented. Every script was written out. Every person who was answering the phone knew exactly what to say. They knew exactly how to update the CRM. There was just such tight processes around everything that happened in the business. And that was my big aha moment, John, that I was doing it backwards. I was feeling pain. I had all this stuff that I needed to get done. So much, my phone's ringing all day, emails coming through. There's all these things that were happening. And the way I solved those problems is I would just throw people at it. I'd try to hire somebody and say, go do it. And yeah. then they would burn and, you know, it would be this epic failure. 
And I was looking around like, oh, you know, hiring good people. You can't hire anybody. Like, that's how I looked at it. And I realized through this one meeting with, with now, Wes is now one of my, my mentors, was I'm just doing it wrong. I'm doing it totally backwards. I need to start with, with documenting and having all the systems and processes in place and then go hire somebody to fulfill those roles. And so that, that was my huge wake up moment. And, that, and the second thing was, why was I trying to hire all these people internally to do all these day-to-day ancillary tasks? Like, yes, the phone's ringing and emails are coming in and transaction corner, like all this stuff that had to, to happen to run the business, but I didn't have to be the one to do it. And it didn't have to be somebody sitting right across from me. So that was kind of, you know, that was in 2010, 2011. And that was my big, like, you know, I, I grew up on a ranch. And so we, we had these electric cattle prods, right? When trying to get cow, cows to move. And I felt like that's what somebody shoved up my rear end, <laughs> and electrocuted me to get me going. That was kind of like my wake up moment. And, right. I, and I know I'm making a joke, but I'm really being serious. Like it felt like just this energy I had because I now had a new mission that I, that I knew would work. And so within my own real estate business, I started hiring people from the Philippines to answer the phone and run comps and do transaction coordination, all the stuff that it took in the business. And at first I wasn't very good at it. I wish I could say, John, that I just started right away in 2011 and I was just amazing at that process, but I really, I really wasn't. And so I just started grinding at it and I just kind of started figuring it out. And by 2013, I had not only figured it out, but I'd helped almost a hundred, it was like 72 people that I was in masterminds and groups like, like we're a part of and how we know each other, all these real estate groups with, with um, a lot of our mutual friends. And I just helped them do exactly what I was doing. I was giving them my scripts. I was giving them my processes. I was giving them all the systems in my business and then helping them go through the process of how to hire remote and virtual teams and do it really well. And after a couple of years of that, doing it almost a hundred times for free in 2013, I decided to make that a business. And, mm-hmm. and here we are seven years later and it, it's gone from just you know, just real estate working with, because that's all I did in the beginning was realtors and, <clears throat> and uh, investors. And we were essentially a real estate virtual staffing, virtual assistant company. And today, I know this is way too long of an intro, but today we work with everybody from single member LLC, still in real estate, but also almost any industry you can think of from software companies to I mean, I think we have a televangelist at this point. I mean, we have literally everything you can think of because most of business today is done on a phone or computer. So we work with publicly traded companies. We work with single member LLCs and everything in between. And, And we're pushing about 800 people now. And it's really just from that original grind in my business, solving the problems that I sucked at and I was terrible at. And that's essentially all we do today is just help people solve those problems. Well, and I think you said some. You said a couple of things, um, Robert, that I thought were really interesting. You know, number one is start with the end in mind. You know, um, when when we start making decisions on entrepreneurship or business, oftentimes we don't look at what our outcome is or what the goal end goal is, right? We start from trying to beginning and we'll try to get to that end point. And I think to what you just said is, you know, how you, you know begin the end in mind, even when. But the things that we work with with our clients, it's always all about the end goal, the end game, right? And bringing that back. And then two, I thought what you said about, you know, not necessarily being a good manager, but you're a good leader, right? And so do you want to talk a little bit about that, like your leadership style and just kind of how, 
some of the things that you've, you know, learned along the way. And, you know, back in 2011, you had this aha moment and then you started realizing that, Hey, I can make this a business, but you know, from where you started to have 800 employees working with traded companies. I mean, this is not, this is not a small company that you run. Right. And so, I mean, you as a leader versus a manager, I think that's a really good differential because a lot of times I think if I know I'm a crappy manager, right? Like in, in, in my firm and my, my team, my skill set is not managing people, right? And to, yeah. recognize, to recognize that is huge, but like talk a little bit, you know, maybe some aha moments or things that you've learned along the way that, you know, or like just slapped right across the face to say, man, I got a pivot or this thing's not going to go the way I want it to go. Yeah. that And that's exactly it. You summarize it there at the end. Like I got slapped in the face enough times to know that I can either keep going and it's like, I can stay in this world of hurt or I can make some changes and have a much better life. And really what that came down to John was I was the bottleneck for everything in Mm -hmm. my company at the beginning, this virtual assistant company in 2013, I was ultimately responsible for everything that happened, every decision, every single thing, even as I started building a team, I still held on. So like, you know, that, that white knuckle, like, I mean, hold on. Oh man, control freak. So total control freak. And I, every single thing that happened, I thought that if I wasn't a part of it, it would all just blow up and go to shit and then we're in trouble. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I, most of that had to do with my ego being misplaced. Right. Uh, But don't want to go too far down in that. I just recognized early. I mean, not early on pretty quick that I had two options. I can be in control of everything and have a very hard ceiling that's not very big in front of me, or I can leverage other people's talents and skill sets and empower them to be amazing. And then as a result, I can have everything that I want. So, and I fought that for a long time. I wish I could say I just learned that right at the beginning. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, we eat, breathe and sleep our business. And then when we leave the house every day, we're making these promises to our families, you know, like you, you talked about getting up and going to the office in the morning. I mean, you're making a pretty big promise to your family that the time you're spending away from them is worth it. And it's going to be valuable. It's going to, so to, for people to have anxiety about releasing some of these tasks and responsibility in their day to day, totally makes sense to me. I, I, I get that as much as anybody, but at the end of the day, you know, we're talking about the end in mind, like, where are we really trying to go? Was I trying to build a business that, you know, I, I was, I would walk be on vacation, John, walking on the beach, holding my phone up. Like it's like a freaking movie trying to get service on speakerphone, right? Like walking around, like trying just to get yeah. one, you know, I, I was married and I, I was on my, I'm not proud of this at all. I, I hope it doesn't go. This, the point is like, this is the exact opposite. I was on my honeymoon, John, with my, and, and Fiji walking around the resort like this with my phone trying to get a cell reception to try to keep working and I was like what am I doing at some point you know it was just like this makes no sense whatsoever and at the end of the day that just constrained my opportunity I'd be so limited by what the opportunity and what I can do if I'm having to walk around even on vacation trying to find a cell service and screaming into the phone because I mean it just made no sense whatsoever for what I was actually you know talking about the end in mind that was not the life I wanted at all and so I just had to have this wake-up call and say okay I can either empower people to do their job and do it well 
or I can be responsible for everything and have very limited growth in a, in a, in a short ceiling above me and, and just very limited opportunity. So I just kind of made a choice um, several years ago, thank goodness, that my job really came down to only a, a few things. And today, I, it, it's pretty much the same. I only do a couple things. Number one is I empower great teams to do extraordinary things. So the, the idea in our organization is to, to have ordinary, average, everyday people perform like heroes and, and be rock stars for, for our organization. And so my job is to give them the tools, skills, and resources enabled in, in order to perform their jobs but not do their jobs for them. So, and I know that sounds dumb and most people probably get that better than I did, but I really didn't. I would hire people and then John, I would freaking micromanage them yeah. all day. And so that the first big thing is just for me to have a wake up call to say, okay, my, my primary responsibility as a leader is to empower. Like what is a great manager to me today? It's just empowerment. It's not right. micromanaging and telling them what to and do. I, Go ahead. And I think, and I, I want to comment on that because I think there's, and maybe I'm wrong, right? But I feel like, like we, like from my perspective, I want to empower people, but I, and I, I'm the worst micromanager to an extent to where it's really critical though, that you set up those standard operation procedures and ex, not expect, not expectations, but commitments to what they're going to do. Right. Because, um, I have experienced, right? And so as you're talking, I'm like, you know, I totally agree, but how do we, how, like for you to manage that many people, or I know that you're not micromanaging them, but how do you empower them to, to be on Team Rocket Station to give, to perform like heroes? Because sometimes we sometimes try to empower people and they just, they take advantage of that, right? So yeah, totally. So I'm trying to figure that like, so the way that you made that comment, I want to know like kind of, how you go through your hiring process and how you, you know, make sure and how do you know certain criteria? Because there's got to be a process that you use to hire the right people to make sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The first thing you mentioned is systems and processes. And I know people get tired of hearing that system process, system process. Like, what does that even mean? To me, that is not some like esoteric outside the box. That is a tangible thing. We literally build step-by-step -step scopes exactly what has to happen in every single job to get things done, right? Like we've mm -hmm. got, we've got um, the CRM, we've got so many things from a technology standpoint, all these moving parts and all these variables in place. Well, I'm, my expectation is not for people to guess, okay? I don't want anybody to ever have to guess what the responsibility is, or you mentioned expectations. Like I don't want them guessing what their expectations are. So before we even hire somebody, we know exactly what that job description is. We've built systems and processes, there's structure in place. So now we have a roadmap for what that should look like. So a, a business development person, somebody who's in sales on the front end, engaging with clients, interacting, interfacing with, with potential clients, that's obviously a very different role than somebody who's working in accounting and keeping the books reconciled month over month, right? So, so many times we have this picture in our head, like, oh, we need an admin or we need a salesperson. And then we just try to go hire what we view this personality to be to fit that role. And to me, that's just kind of backwards. The first thing we need to do is put the end in mind, create a roadmap for what that looks like. Now, John, the job description is essentially built for you in that process, right? Because you're mapping it all out, you know exactly what has to get done. It also provides a lot of clarity into what's happening in the day-to-day. -day. So many people that I, that I talk to, they get through the end of their day, and if I were to ask them, hey, hey, John, uh, how was your day? 
you'd be like, good, man. It was good. I was super busy. It, busy is the word I get all the time. It's like busy, busy, busy. Okay, great. What did you do today? What? What did you do today? And then for people to think about what they did all day, I mean, they can't even tell you. They're, they're right. answering the phone. They're on meetings. They're, they have no idea. They're just, they're just kind of doing whatever. And I think that is a terrible way to have structure and clarity because then you don't know there's no alignment with you and your team. So we start with having total transparency about what's happening through the organization. We create job descriptions that are very well defined from that structure. Now going to find people is a whole lot easier. So the way we do that is once we have a job description, we actually work to write, and, and some of these are on, the, on our website, so anybody who's interested in some of these job descriptions, if we just go to Rocket Station, look at our, the, we have a careers page with open positions, and, and those are actual job descriptions that we write based on the task and the roles within the organization that we're trying to fill. We actually do a personality profile called Culture Index to get the right person to fill that role. So after I've got the job description built, I now know the personality type, the type of person I want. You know, we mentioned sales. Mm -hmm. you, we have this stereotypical image of what a salesperson looks like, which is usually right. not the best salesperson, <laughs> right? But right, right. at least we can put a profile together. And I, and I work with consultants to do that. And we do the same thing, John, for our clients too. So if it's a if it's a VA position, this process is exactly the same as if it's a C-suite level person. I, I don't deviate from the process whatsoever. We have a job description. We, we write that in a way that is concise and makes a lot of sense. We put a profile, like an exact match of what that's going to be so that when people start applying for those jobs, it's not a guess, right? Like on a, if you're just relying on interviews to try to figure out if this oh, is a man. good hire... You're in a world of hurt, man. Like wow. I could, I could sell you, John, on any position. Like if you were, ha if you had an accounting position open, I could get on an interview and and sell you that I was the best person possible for this job. And that would be true for about two weeks, and then your books would be totally screwed up because I'd be terrible <laughs> at fulfilling that role, right? But it's where's Robert? He's in Fiji. How is that? Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's like the books are eighty percent done, but the right. last twenty percent would just be a disaster, right? So for us it's just all about having you know and i think our process is basically foolproof at this point but you don't have to go through the exact process we do the problem to begin with john is most people don't have a process at all at all at all at all and so when you're hiring somebody you're hiring a friend or a family member or a referral from a friend or family member and it's a personality contest and you just kind of hire the person you like and you hope it works and you throw, i mean that's just such a backwards way of doing it so robert do you help businesses like so on explain to, to the audience too and, and to listeners out there like you, you have the va space but do you like you are so ingrained in this this i mean just listening to you talk i mean you got your systems built and dialed in right do you help entrepreneurs like me right so where i say okay robert i don't know if i need a va but i could really use some coaching or some some operation procedures for my staff to build that out. Do you work with that on that scope too, or is it mostly just hiring the VAs or, or do the VAs? Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah. It, well, kind of a little bit of everything you just said. So we, we right. as a company do two things and only two things. And we, everybody 
that is our client, whether you're a publicly traded company or again, you're a single member LLC, it doesn't, you go through the same process with us and, and we force people through this process because we know this is what works. And step one is system and process development. That's mm -hmm. what that is step one every single time. And it doesn't matter if you think you already have some stuff or you have some processes in place. The first thing that we do is we go end to end with your business and we just call that an alignment phase. We not only want to understand your business really, really well, which we do, we become experts in your business. My team is workforce management experts. So we can export your call logs and your email records. And if you're using you know, Zendesk or whatever you're using as a business, whatever CRM you have, the first thing that we want to do is go in and we essentially want to do a time study of your business. What is happening end to end? Because that's the first step, right? Like to build a, a customer support center, like we just worked with a, a software company publicly traded and they're, they're building amazing software, but they're not great at customer support. Right. So in order, we can't just start by throwing people in customer support. The first thing that we do is develop out exactly all the system, everything that's happening in organization so that we can be experts in every single thing that's happening. So that, that is number one is system and process development. Even if you're not a client of ours, you can be a client in system and process development. And we have many mutual friends where we've done that exact thing from sales all the way to back office admin task, we've mapped out what that looks like. And so what is a system and process map? It's a, it's a couple steps. It starts with high level macro. So that's where you see those boxes where they're all connected, like step one, step two, step mm -hmm. three of the phases of things that happen. But from there, we've got to go and say, okay, what's actually happening after the call, you know, like for the sales team moves through, it's not just the macro level process. We then develop in video format and step-by-step -step PDF where we go in and we say step-by-step -step for every single thing that's happening. And you get those beautiful uh, PDF packets that have screenshots and images and arrows and pointing like that's, that's so step someone one. Can, so us. someone could just step in at any point in time and know exactly what's going on. Right? Exactly. And right. What, and those are, cool. those are living documents, right? So right. as the person who's now fulfilling that role in that job, guess whose responsibility is to keep those systems and process sheets updated? Their job. They're, yeah, because they're doing it all day. Passwords right. change and things change yeah. and things move all day. So it's super simple once the structure is built to go in there and just update. The hard part is as things change and move with no foundation and no structure in place, now, man, every day the world's on fire. And what we say what at, at Rocket Station, we say if there's a fire, that's an opportunity for systems. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anytime there's a fire burning and there's anytime there's this urgency, like we have to do this right now. What that means is there's not enough structure in place for your organization to run really smoothly. Does that what I does that oh, what I'm yeah. saying make sense? Absolutely. So yeah, so so fires are just opportunities. And and it's the same thing at Rocket Station. Anytime there's a fire or anytime there's this sense of urgency, we just put a process in place to eliminate the fires in the future. Because our theme as a company is consistency over urgency. Urgency like just means that there's a problem. Urgency just means that there's not enough resources somewhere in order to get. And now, does, does every now and then team members screw up in that process? Sure. Yeah, sure. But that's totally different than just being out of control in the day because there's all these fires to be put out. And John, 
the problem is a lot of people enjoy those fires because it makes them feel important. It makes them feel valuable that. as the yeah. business owner. When I think, you know, to your point too, it's like, you know, when we were talking at the very beginning of the conversation about how you, I was going to ask you that, you know, when you were starting, you were doing your grind, working 60 to 80 hours a day, like our ego gets in the way because we feel like we're important, right? We feel like we're doing something, but it's a grind and it's just like, it makes us, it makes us feel good that we're busy, but, but is that busyness even, you know, accomplishing anything of what our vision is or what we want for ourselves? And is it jeopardizing our family or our relationships? Because we have that desire to build our ego, right? To, cause it is like, what, how was your day? Great, man. I was busy. Like we, we use that word busy as if it's like something to have people accept us of who we are. I mean, can you imagine like someone, I didn't do a damn thing today. I just hung out. Like, you know what I mean? And because it, because it took me a long time, right? John, it took me a long time to get there. We were at it. You and I were at a mastermind together. Not that long ago. Um, you know, whatever, six months ago, four months ago. And at that event, we were going to dinner. There's a group of us and we're going to dinner and, um, somebody turned and they're like, well, that's Rob. He doesn't do anything during the day to day. He's never on the calls. He doesn't do anything. And a few years ago, Oh, that would have, I would have been like, I do too. I got, you know, I would have like, and I sat there that to me, John, for him to sit there and say that I've got no responsibility in the day to day was the biggest compliment anyone's ever given me. I almost got emotional in that moment because I'm like, you're gosh dang right that no one in my organization is dependent upon me to do their job ever. I mean, they like I could disappear for a couple of weeks and I did last month. I went and played golf. I actually enrolled in a golf academy in Orlando, Florida. There is nowhere I'd rather be less than Orlando, Florida. But there's this golf academy there that I was super excited about. And I want I love to play golf casually. Like I'm not serious about it. I'm not. But it's one of my favorite hobbies. And it's something I feel like I can do for the rest of my life. I went I spent two and a half, almost three weeks there. And I had my phone. I had my computer. But nobody needed me. I just got to play golf for a couple weeks and hang out. And, and I'm not saying that because so many people are full of fluff, John, when you hear and the thing, but the reason I can do that is because I have a really strong team in place. Not because I'm just better than even not because what I figured out is that my, I'm empowering my team. And if they need me during the day, then there's a problem. There's something going on that, that needs to be solved there. So my ego is now attached to being removed from the business, not being associated with everything that happens. And I wish I could say that was how I was at the beginning and I just got that right away. But John, we would be a much bigger company if I had started doing that three, four, five years ago instead of just the last few years. I mean, it's really been a couple year process for me to kind of get there. But we grew 100% last year, and we're going to do it again this year, and it's because I'm not in the way. And so whenever people now say, man, you've got 800 people, that's where my ego is. My ego's in the end result, and that could have never been there if I hadn't, you know, run through enough walls to realize this is stupid. I, I really, you know, got my teeth kicked in and had a lot of bumps and bruises over the years, and at some point just to you, exactly what you're talking about. It's like, what, what am I actually trying to accomplish? What do I want my business to look like? And then I started making sure every day I'm planting seeds 
so that it could, you know, the trees can grow on their own. You know, the, the roots are going deep in our organization now. And every day, it's just an opportunity <laughs> to improve just a little bit. And the less I'm involved in the day to day, the better the organization does. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that's not easy to do. And um, the fact that you've been able to create a team to where, you know, and the trust and the commitment and your, your culture, right? And I think, I mean, we're, we're going through some things right now in our, in our company with our culture and really what is our culture? We, you know, you feel like I have felt like we've had this culture and I'm starting to realize that, you know, we got to fine tune some of that because it's huge. Yeah. And I'll, I'll talk about culture a little bit. It's one of these things, especially virtually people are always like, well, how do you have great culture and build teams? So uh, not to be too cheesy about it, but you know, the way people talk about love is in my mind, very similar to the way they talk about culture. It's this thing out there. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like this emotional feeling. That's, that's like, it's just kind of out there that I, I totally disagree with that in my world. The way love happens, it's through an action. It's through commitment. It's through every day being focused on uh, outside of yourself and delivering. And then as a result, like you can have this amazing bond and create a loving relationship. The same way with culture, the way in Rocket Station, the way we define culture. And then there's a lot of what things that actually happen to make this happen. But the culture is defined very simply. It's, the, it's everyone following the same rules and mm-hmm. achieving success. And I'll, I'll just say that again, we just, it's, it's our entire team following the same rules and achieving success. And when you're winning, when you have success and everyone's following the same rules, culture is amazing. The culture is incredible. But what happens is, is people, you know, you, you start with a couple team member and everybody is initially following the same rules and doing the same, showing up at the same time, performing at the same level, meeting expectations. Every, you know, when you've got just a couple people, it's kind of easy to have everybody kind of doing the same thing. But then what happens as you grow and you get other people in or you start hiring people and you allow them to do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want to do it, and you've got different people playing by different rules, all of a sudden you've got friction. All of a sudden people are looking across going, well, he didn't show up and he was late to the meeting and he'd be like, no, 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 no. We have incredible culture at Rocket Station. It's amazing. People are knocking down our doors to join our company because of the culture. But that culture comes from not me holding team members accountable. It's the entire organization holding each other and the peers accountable. If it was up to me to be disciplinarian all day, every day, it would never work. It, w- it just wouldn't work. And it would just create friction. And so what we've done is we've just created basic rules for the way things work. And let me give you some very simple examples, okay, just to make mm-hmm. this kind of tangible. We've got 800 people, most of them working virtually. I only have six W-2s in my Dallas office managing 86 people and support team in the Philippines that then manage the 800 people. That's how that stack works, okay? Wow. Wow. The way every single day at start of day within our rooms, everybody checks in start of day. Everybody, period. It, I mean, every single person, you walk in, good morning, how are you? And you're putting in little updates, about how your day is and little personal things. And so what is that? We are, we are mimicking the idea of like in a regular office, everybody knows when their, their peers walk through the door. Everybody knows who's on time, 
who's not on time, who's late. And so if you allow people to be late or not check in or not that start of day period, if people are wondering, hey, where's John today? That's a distraction. And that mm-hmm. is, people are wondering, no, 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 no. Everybody follows the same start of day rules every single day. So is that like via text or how do they check in? Just So we, we use Zoom. Our, our um, Zoom platform is our voice over IP system. It's our meeting system and it's also our chat system. So we were originally in Skype, G Suite, and then use Slack as the chat. That's how it originally was. Mm-hmm. Zoom, thank goodness, has has really invested in, in their platform. And now that's all in one. So we use Zoom. So start of day, you can go in there and all the teams, uh, all the individual teams and groups have their own Zoom rooms. And then we have oh. we have macro rooms too with the entire company. But every individual group, every individual team has their own Zoom rooms. So not only do you check in start of day, but John, throughout the entire day, every landmark, you update the team. Super small. So every step. So it's like every time a sale, like our sales reps, inside sales team, every time they connect and book an appointment, boom, updated. Yes, the software shows that. But boom, we're, we're putting in those chat rooms, every win, everything that happens throughout the day, we're putting in there. It does two things. It provides updates so everybody knows what's happening. There's some alignment there, but it also creates energy. It's now right. a camaraderie being built because everybody's right. throwing their stuff in all day yeah. long. Like, hey, right? I just made a contact now. We got another people, like, I mean, that's like energizing the sales team, right? And then it energizes the, the whole deal. And I'm, Dude, I, I, I'm looking away. I'm taking notes, Robert, right now because there's there's some. I mean, I hope the listeners realize there is a lot of nuggets in here in this conversation. With, with so end of it, it's just it's stellar. Yeah, end of day, John. When people are logging out, guess what they do? Good night, great day, good job, team. See you tomorrow. Because you know exactly when people are walking out the door. The same way in the office. If you've got right. somebody leaving early at three thirty when the team's supposed to be leaving at five, and they're throwing in their, it looks weird. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Like, uh, what are you? So yeah. how do we create rules? Yes, we have a handbook. Yes, we have specific guidelines. But at the end of the day, it's everyone following the same rules and being held to the same expectations. And it's no longer me. If your right. colleague is doing something they're supposed to be doing, other team members are calling them out on the side to get them back in line because it disrupts the flow for everybody. Dude, you know, like your, your culture definition is so simple and yet so powerful. And I'm just thinking about the impact of, are you going to play full out? Right. And are you on, and, 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 and I get it. People are like, Oh, this sounds cheesy, but man, look at, it's not because of the impact. I mean, people can, if people in my opinion are like saying, Oh, this is cheesy. This is like fluff stuff. They're just jealous, in my opinion, because the, what, you, <laughs> what you've accomplished, seriously, like to have that many people be engaged, right? And to have a culture to where everyone following the same rules to achieve, to achieve success, it, it's so simple. But yet, in my I'm like, I wrote it down, right? I'm still on that because the reality is, is yes, if everybody's on the same playing field and the same page and they show up to win, you can't lose, in my opinion. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I like to use real world examples. Take the Houston Rockets. I'm a sports guy. They just got rid of James Harden, send them to the Nets, right? There was so much discontentment in the locker room because James Harden was treated differently than every other player. He got to do whatever he wants. He got to party every night, show up late, do whatever he wants. And now there's all this discontentment within the organization. 
do you think I get to play by different roles than everybody else in my company? No freaking way, man. Just because I sit at the top of the pyramid right. doesn't mean that I'm, a, that I'm excluded from the rules and the structure that we've put in place. And we do, I mean, all the way down to really small stuff. People don't eat or drink at their desk. We have dedicated workstations. You're not sitting there chomping on Doritos during a team call. I don't want to see you chugging a two liter of some soda <laughs> on something. I mean, it's just like, yeah. no, it's gross. It's distracting. It's unprofessional. So people say all the time, well, how do you get people in a virtual environment to perform the way they do in the office? Well, you have the same rules in a virtual environment as you do in the office. And John, winning cures cancer is what my dad used to always say about sports. It's like winning cures cancer when, when everybody's following by the same rules and then you have success. There are no problems. The only problems that arise in that formula are people who are a bad core value fit. And guess what? You want to know that so you can get those people out. That's not a bad thing. When people like... People, I come across managers and leaders all the time who are afraid for, for that cream to kind of rise and the outliers to be there yeah. because then they've got to take act. Now you got to do something about it, mm-hmm. right? To me, that's progress. I right. love that. When, I, when there's outliers not following the rules, that's great. Let's know that. If you're not bought in, that means you're not a good core value fit. Yeah. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. You're just not a good fit for us. Go find somewhere else to, to right. do your job, but it, it ain't going to be here. And I think too, it's not only the conflict or like having to deal with it. Sometimes I feel like you, you feel like your team is shrinking, right? Or you're not growing. And so you're afraid to like kind of separate that out because sometimes bodies make you feel like, oh, we're doing something, right? When yet it's just totally. totally. Yeah. Cool. And you know, the hardest thing is if you've got a seat, like a, you know, the ABC, people who are your A performers, your best employees. It's easy to love those people. It's right. easy to reward those people, pat them on the back, give them attention. It, it's easy to love your, your A performers. The C players, the D players, your, your F players, it's easy to not like those people and get them out as well, right? Mm-hmm. So your A players are easy to love. Your, your C players are, are easy to kind of get out. What's really tough is your B players. The ones who are doing just enough to kind of keep you engaged and think, man, they're kind yeah. of doing something. They're kind, yeah. of, but they're also not doing that. Those are the ones that consume. That's the oh. 80, 20 rule. They consume right. all your because energy. You'll get, you'll get so pissed off. And then all of a sudden they're kind of like those, it's kind of like for me in golf, <laughs> I got to play 18 rounds of crap. And then I had a good shot at the end. I'm like, dang it. Now I got to play the net. You know what I mean? It's like, exactly. Yeah. And it's like so. the thought of replacing those becomes this like painful thing. Right. These people, it's like, Oh, what do I do? It's like, but if you have good structure in place, if you, if you truly believe in your core values and then you hold people accountable, the best thing ever is by just like having a little turnover in your organization is okay. If it's design and if it's intentional, if you're structuring that, like we're okay with a little bit of turnover because we want the right people in those seats. Does that create a little bit of work for us? Yeah, absolutely. But the end result is so much better. So every year when we're doing our annual reviews, where we really, really focus is on that B level, mm-hmm. you know, structure in the organization, because that's where we either, those people have to either be given resources Right. and empowered to rise up 
Or what we do is we truly give performance in plans, right? So we don't want our employees guessing. There's never a time you're guessing if you're in good standing, where you stand, if you're performing, if you're not performing, if management or leadership's happy with you or not. Nobody, nobody's having to guess when you walk in the organization where you stand. And to me, that's one of the things I'm truly the most proud of, John, because that means we're honest. That means we're transparent, right? right? right. And that means, in my opinion, that we are respecting you. That is the ultimate form of respect is to right. lay out the guidelines, lay out the expectations. Then it's up to you to perform or not, right? Then the micromanaging, you know, and that's, that's my definition of empowering. If, right. if that makes sense is I right. give you the tools and resources to succeed and provide you with whatever you need to, to perform. And then we check in and evaluate that performance. And, yeah. and I wish there was some secret sexy formula to make that, but that's really just it at the end of the day is culture is everyone following by the same rules and then having successful outcomes. And then yeah. empowerment is just providing the skills, tools, and resources for people to rise to the occasion. And if they don't, that's on them. Right. Well, Robert, man, I mean, I, I'm looking at the time here. I'm like, dude, we have almost talked for an hour. Like it's, it's awesome. So, um, you know, why don't you share with the listeners how they can reach out to you, your company, who can they contact um, if they want to, you know, take a look at Rocket Station or helping them on the virtual side of, of business and then also just helping them structure their, their, their procedures and the things that you've talked about in this call. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Most people, when they hear me talk, or they talk about outsourcing or virtual assistants or systems and processes. Most people get it, right? Most people understand conceptually what we're talking about, what we mean. But most of the time, people are kind of sitting there going, okay, I get it. But how does that apply to me? What could I do with that? And what would that look like in my business? And if that's anybody listening, if you're honest and sincere about some of the things we've talked about, whether you hire our teams or not, I don't care if you hire us to do system and process development. I don't care if you hire us for, to hire our dedicated teams for virtual assistants. We will still spend some time with you and get you where you need to go. So in a 30-minute call for anybody that's interested, our, our business development team, they're truly workforce management experts. They can answer any questions, but also specifically dive into your business and show you what some of these things that we're talking about, how it could help you specifically. And the best way to do that is just go to rocketstation.com. There's a schedule now button there and we've got some great information. You know, we're, we're fortunate to have Kevin Harrington and Kevin O'Leary as strategic advisors. So, so Shark Tank guys, and, and we have some great information on there and some great resources, but anybody who just wants to spend 30 minutes with us, hit that schedule time now button. Let me know that you're coming from the podcast so that, that, you know, we definitely want to take care of all your listeners, John, but just schedule some time with us Spend 30 minutes. There's no obligation. I truly mean why I, I say, I don't care if you use us or hire us or not, you know, because it's not a good fit for everybody, yeah. right? It's just right. not. So, and at this point, I don't want your business if it's not a good fit and not even close. So uh, we can definitely help you. We can definitely answer questions. So for anybody that that's interested in that, just go to the website, rocketstation.com, click that schedule time now button. And I promise we'll take great care of you. Robert, uh, again, thanks for being on the, the show today. And um, for all the listeners, please, you know, send in written comments. Written comments are great. Um, the, the information today, in my opinion, was was fantastic. I think everybody can learn um, from what successful people are doing and, and understanding where our blind spots are. And um, Robert, again, man, I think I think just you had a lot of great things to say today. So thanks for spending some time and, 
you know, congratulations on your success. And it, it's been fun to just to get to know you a little bit and, and watch your business grow. And just, you know, the times that we've connected a little bit at, at, at our masterminds and things, I mean, you're just doing a lot of awesome stuff and, and it's getting recognized. So again, thanks for spending the time today, man. I appreciate it. I, the respect is mutual. I appreciate you very much. And I'm hoping to see you here in a, in about a month or, or whenever that is uh, to get back together. And, yeah. and so hope to see you in person. I can hug your neck and, uh, and then buy your drink. So thanks, John. <laughs> All right, buddy. Thanks a lot.